Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. the center of the galaxy this is the force center podcast feed i'm ken napsog for another edition of spotlight star wars we are going to take a look at the star wars rebels season two finale i know a lot of other people had but i didn't get to watch it as soon as everyone else so you get my review now Post my shows on Saturday. Why am I explaining the logistics to you? You're here on the Force Center Podcast feed, and you're listening to my monologue to you, the Star Wars fans. It is well known, I can't deny it, that I am sometimes conflicted on Star Wars Rebels. Do I think it's a good show? Absolutely. Am I glad it is on the air? Yes. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Do I have faith in the team behind it? Yes. I think Dave Filoni is a creative genius, and I love what was done and accomplished in Clone Wars, so I love what is being done and being accomplished in Rebels. I just at times, because again, I'm an older fan, and this is on Disney XD, I sometimes get bogged down and let myself get bogged down in the chopper, the fart bot moments, the teamwork lessons moments, and that's okay that I am like that, and that is okay if you are not like that, and it is very much okay that those moments are in the show. Because again, we're trying to build a new generation of fans that is very, very important, and I think Rebels is absolutely doing that, and you cannot deny, I definitely can't deny, the amount of great things that have come out of Star Wars Rebels. A lot of fun things. 
including the return of some of our favorite characters like Captain Rex and, of course, Ahsoka Tano, and now, officially, Darth Maul. At last we reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we'll have our revenge. Uh, Love it, love it, love it. The finale was great. The season was great. The season was better than season one for me. The season one ended really, really strong. The trailers and all the previews and everything we heard about season two was was painting this to be a bigger, more epic, and if not a darker season. And it was that. A lot of that was there. I just think the trailers, I don't know. I don't want to say oversold it. Trailers for both the first half of the season and the second half made me believe that this was going to be a pulse-pounding, every beat was dark and great and epic, and I'm the idiot for believing that, because I know that's not the case. I know that can't be the case. The trailer showed us the good things, the big things, and I'm going to leave out a lot of the Chopper Fartbot teammates' moments. Uh, And that's okay. That's what a trailer does. Again, I'm the idiot. I fell for it. So there were some moments during the season that I was like, Rex is back, the clones are back, and they're fishing for sandworms. I, I, that kind of stuff. It goes back to the puffer pig I always mention with Lando. You bring Lando back, you bring Billy D. Williams back, and the episode's about a puffer pig. I, look, there was bigger things. But again, I'm saying this. I'm, I'm a bad critic. I'm a bad critic because I've met Dave Filoni, and I did nothing, nothing but praise him to his face. Yes, I was intoxicated because it, his, his, he deserves it and his team deserves it. So I'm a bad critic because even though I don't like some things in Rebels, I'm not, a, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to just hammer it. I'm not a YouTube commer, commenter, all right? Uh, but I have a show and I feel I need to talk about some things. And I think you guys feel some of the moments too. But again, Rebels is generally for kids. But this finale did a lot, did a lot to get me really excited for season three and really excited for what they're doing. I'm hearing now season three will start to connect more directly to Rogue One. That is exciting. And Rogue One, uh, by the time season three starts, Rogue One will just be a few months away. That's exciting to me. I don't want to do a breakdown a beat-by-beat recap of the finale. I just want to talk in general terms about some of the things they did and put forth, and it's all pretty damn positive stuff. I want to see where you guys align. And as always, you can talk to me on Twitter. Follow me at Ken Napsock and follow this feed at ForceCenterPod and hashtag SpotlightStarWars to join the conversation, as they say. Let's first talk about Kanan. I really enjoyed... Kanan all throughout this season, throughout last season, even in New Dawn, which is sometimes a a much maligned book. Uh, The Kanan comic series is great. It's some of Marvel's best work in the new canon. And uh, now this last issue had uh, Ezra in it as of as now and and, and up to date. It wasn't a flashback uh, issue too much. Kanan's great. Freddie Prince Jr. does a great job portraying Kanan. Uh, I love everything about Kanan, and I love even more where we find Kanan now. Blind, damaged by a lightsaber blade. Uh, very reminiscent of the Force Unleashed character General Rom Coda. One of the best things to come out of Force Unleashed, the video game. And, and quite frankly, there's a lot of great things to come out of that game. I understand why it's not canon. Even I never fully accepted it as canon. I, it would be tough to have a video game explain uh, why Starkiller was the real reason for the start of the Rebel Alliance. I, I would have been, that's a big leap for me. But the game is great. If you haven't played it, if you're one of the few people that haven't played the first Force Unleashed game, do it. I think I'm going to start it again soon myself just to play it and have some fun. It is an amazing game. And uh, one of the best things is uh, General Rom Coda, who survived Order 66 because he had kind of surrounded himself instead of uh, with the clones during the Clone Wars. He had surrounded himself with a, a regular army. He just kind of didn't trust the, con- the clones. And again, we all love those Jedis on the margins, don't we? Obi-Wan Kenobi, a little bit on the margins. Uh, but Qui-Gon Jinn, definitely on the margins. Uh, we talk about uh, Quinlan Voss being on the margins, and even Count Dooku, a Jedi on the margins, so far on the margins, that he left the Order and became a Sith Lord, Darth Tyrannus. We all love Darth Tyrannus, right? Question mark? 
General Rom Coda is one of those Jedis on the margins, and because of that, he survived Order 66 and picks up uh, in narrative, of Force Unleashed, uh, early on in the game and joins in, and he's kind of the spiritual guide for Starkiller as he uh, goes on uh, to complete his missions, and um, General Rom Coda is blind. Uh, he's not in great shape when Starkiller finds him. He's blind. Uh, he's very remnant. He's got a ponytail, very uh, samurai-influenced design. Eyes are covered. And I, I, I love that Kanan, it, it seems to be, I mean, I don't know if it's a direct callback to that or a direct just kind of uh, appropriation of that character's uh, where Rom Coda is in that game, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I got to assume it's somewhat of a nod. I've got to assume they're very much aware of, of the presence of that character in the video game. And I love it. If you can't take that character and put him into canon in any way, I'm talking about Rom Coda, I, I love that Kanan now might have some of those traits. And, and I hope he stays blind for a while. I really do. Uh, it's an interesting layer to the Kanan character which is already an, an interesting character in his own right. Uh, someone who survived Order 66, a very uh, powerful Padawan, a lot of skills, but has to go into hiding, has to not be a Jedi, and kind of turns to a uh, drinking wildlife when you first find him in, in New Dawn and joins a bigger cause. Uh, I, I love him a lot. I, I think Kanan's great. And uh, now this lair, blind going forward, injured going forward, cannot rely on just himself anymore. Now it's about the Force, his senses, and even Chopper. He's got a whole Chopper's hand in the final scene. And I love the visual of him putting on the Jedi Temple Guard mask, which is a callback, of course, uh, already, I think, to the Grand Inquisitor being revealed just a few episodes prior, that he was a former uh, Jedi Temple Guard. It was just an interesting visual. And again, it's it's... It's interesting to see our heroes have some chinks in their armor. And that makes Kanan that much more interesting. It's one of my favorite things to come out of the finale. The Inquisitors, this season we had the fifth brother and the seventh sister taking the place of the Grand Inquisitor who died at the end of season one. Even uh, though the Inquisitor, Grand Inquisitor shows up uh, sort of later on in season two. The Inquisitors this season were, of course, the fifth brother and seventh sister. Sarah Michelle Geller being the seventh sister. And uh, great job. Great characters. I like the Inquisitors. In the finale, the eighth brother brother shows up. Great design. I really do like the concept of the Inquisitors. It's intriguing to me. The fact that we've never really heard them before, Rebels, I can get past that. That's going to happen a lot as we build new canon. And I think it's key, and I'm not part of this creative process all. Obviously, and something, believe me, I'm actually glad I'm not. Glad I can just stay back and be a fan. I'm glad I didn't pursue some career dreams of, of working for Lucasfilm or something in the creative department because I'd be horrible at it. But uh, with the Inquisitors, you know, and, and a lot of things that you're going to see in New Canon, I think it's uh, important that they try to f come up with things that seem to fit in that Star Wars universe somewhat seamlessly. The comics. Because they're comics, the new comics from Marvel, you're allowed to do a little bit more crazy things. And there's just some things I see in it. And again, I'm a bad critic because I love what they're doing. But I see some of the things they're doing. The new Obi-Wan and Anakin comic is a great concept. But the first few issues have not been my favorite because there's some weird kind of planet they're on. And some zeppelins and some weird creatures. And it just it seems odd that it's in the Star Wars universe. It seems somewhat out of place. But the idea of a, a comic about uh, young Anakin and, and younger Obi-Wan uh, doing, uh, doing the rounds, uh, kind of leading up to Attack of the Clones, that's a good thing for me. It's a good concept, so I'm staying with the comic for sure, and you should too. But, uh, you know, the Inquisitors, I'm going back to the Inquisitors, initially, it's like, did that fit? When, when A New Hope starts... No one's obviously going to mention the Inquisitors because in 1975, when George was preparing to shoot and make Star Wars, uh, he wasn't thinking of the Inquisitors. So I get that. I can make that leap. But does it make sense that when New Hope begins that all those guys, those Imperial officers, Tarkin, Vader, uh, are they all aware that at one point over the last 20 years, these Inquisitors were running around trying to help the Emperor kill the Jedi? And I actually think it does. It does make some sense. They're handled pretty well. And I just like their design. 
I really do think the Inquisitors fit well into the Star Wars universe. It's, it's again, why Kylo Ren was so big before the movie even started, because you just look at that and you go, yep, that's Star Wars. And the Inquisitors are. The Grand Inquisitor, great design. Uh, I really do like the Seventh Sister. Uh, the, the fifth brother, the, that white helmet, not my favorite, but again, he fits. And I, actually, the eighth brother, who uh, appears so briefly, got that kind of almost like he's a knight. Got a, got a shield uh, or, or a helmet uh, guard there. Um, looks great. But the Inquisitors, as cool as they are, I got to say they come off a little bit one-dimensional to me, especially this season. They're sometimes just kind of the bad guys. There's no levels there, and that's okay. Stories just need bad guys. I see them as kind of the Nazgul in the Lord of the Rings story. They're just constantly pursuing the good guys, and that is good. I love that. But because they're just kind of who they are, they are the bad guys, um, I don't feel connected to them. So the deaths of all three of these Inquisitors this season uh, didn't carry much weight to me. Again, you probably don't need to have it carrying much weight but at the same time i think it's important to kind of build villains that are interesting even the grand inquisitor became more interesting to me this season in death when it was revealed through a very interesting jedi vision and temple kind of play that that he was a former jedi temple guard i loved that that's an immediate layer to the grand inquisitor that makes him more interesting now again I, I, he shouldn't show up in season one of rebels and going, hey guys, I'm a former Jedi Temple Guard, now Inquisitor, here to do the job. I get it. I get it. You got to peel back those layers carefully. So maybe next season, season three, you find something else. Maybe the seventh sister was a Padawan. Maybe she knew Kanan. Maybe they dated at one point. We don't know. Uh, maybe they were married. Wink, wink. Uh, I, I don't know. So, but I, I, as much as I like the Inquisitors, their deaths are, you know, plot devices to me. Their presence is plot devices to me, and that's fine. I just don't gravitate to it. So, in the finale, uh, I like that it kind of came to a head, and and I'd be fine. It's probably not going to be the case, but I, I'd be fine if season three. Didn't really have Inquisitors. There's other Inquisitors out there. We don't know how how high they count. Fifth brother, eighth brother, 22nd brother, I don't know. But I'd be okay if we kind of move on from the Inquisitors. Maybe a new force of evil arrives. And that could very much be Darth Maul. Once again, everyone's favorite Sith apprentice from Phantom's, Phantom Menace returns. Uh, they did it well in Clone Wars. Which is saying a lot, because the idea that Maul so clearly severed into two parts in Phantom Menace, the idea of Maul coming back in Clone Wars was something that a lot of fans well, were rightfully dubious about. Feeling a little dubious, we were. And then it's revealed that he has robotic legs. His brother, Savage, Savage Opress, Savage Opress. And not my favorite Star Wars name. I can't even say it. Um, it actually ended up okay, though. I liked it. And then the comic came out of some of the lost uh, Clone Wars scripts about Darth Maul. And it was interesting. Uh, I, I even like uh, in the Darth Plagueis novel, the, you know, the, how Palpatine gets, uh, gets Maul into his, uh, into his clutches is, is there. And the, uh, the play, uh, they mention the Night Sisters and everything. And, and that, there's an interesting backstory to Maul. Maul is, of course, one-dimensional in Phantom Menace, um, I, I, which is a, maybe a misfire on Lucas's part. But, hey, he did a good job. He created a, a villain we all gravitated to, again, because of the visual, because we saw that in the trailers and went, yep, that's Star Wars. One of the great Star Wars moments, of course, is his uh, reveal of the double, double-sided lightsaber. I love that moment. Everyone agrees that's a good fight. As much as you uh, may dislike Phantom Menace, you kind of have to give that. Duel of Fate certainly helps that moment. So Maul's always been one-dimensional, but the Clone Wars started to add layers to him. And his uh, later on appearances, uh, and then in the comic, they had, again, layers, layers, layers. So the idea that Maul is back, it makes sense. I sigh a little bit because I'm ready to move on from Maul. There was no end to Maul in uh, the Clone Wars. We didn't get that. So maybe now we'll finally get that end. I'd like to see Maul go away. I say that respectfully because I am a Maul fan. I own some Maul merchandise. In fact, I finally got to hit my hands on the Black Series Darth Maul, I think I had mentioned. An omission in my collection that I, that I filled up there. Um, 
So if Maul is the main villain in season three, I'm very intrigued by that. If we can move past the Inquisitors and put Maul in there, Maul kind of returns, and he's clearly motivated to take out everyone. It's not just about the Jedi anymore. He's got a little ill will towards that Emperor. If he's aware that the Emperor is in fact Palpatine, and he should be, and if he's aware that that little kid he tried to kill on Tatooine is now wearing that mask and cape, Maul's got some motivation. And it's a three-way dance. It's what I hope they do in Episode 8. I hope Kylo Ren is not just fighting Luke and Daisy Ridley, Ray. I, I also want him fighting one of Snoke's top baddies. I, I want a three-way dance. I'm pushing for that in Episode 8, and I can be very happy with that in Season 3 of Rebels. So make Maul the bad guy. I hope, I should say, I hope they make Maul the big baddie, and we get Maul's end. And I pitch, stories are already set, so no one from Lucasfilm is listening to me. I pitch, and again, maybe I hope, that it has something to do with Obi-Wan. That's right, I said it. On Tatooine. Maybe, somehow, Maul ends up going to Tatooine, trying to track down the son of Skywalker. Which is easy. You just go into a bar and go, anyone know a kid named Luke Skywalker? He's here. Okay, I'll, thank you. Um, maybe it has to do with Obi-Wan. Again, it'd have to happen on Tatooine. I don't think Rebels is going there. Hey, maybe that Obi-Wan standalone movie will be the, the end of Maul. But I would like to see the end of Maul. Maybe it's Vader. Maybe it's Vader that takes out Maul. A Maul versus Vader main event... In season three of Rebels, sounds pretty damn cool. That's worthy of a WrestleMania main event. It's like Rock Austin. Two kind of good guys, kind of bad guys going head to head. I could live with that. I hope they're doing that. Again, Maul comes back. It was, uh, it's, it's again, it's a leap to say Maul's back. And he's, he always, he's always so much deeper and different than he was in the movie. And of course, he's going to be. And that's part of the fun. Filoni and his team are kind of adding those layers to Maul to make him more interesting. If he's just a bad guy who showed up with a double-sided lightsaber trying to kill Ezra, eh, it's not interesting. But I like what they're doing with Maul. But it's always kind of a little, slightly, slightly amusing to me when Maul's, uh, he's got monologues and he's got motivation that uh, he so clearly didn't have in Phantom Menace. But I like the Maul's back. I think it's a great idea. Let's campaign. Let's hope that Maul is the main event in season three. Let's move to the very end. This is what you all want to hear. This is what you all want to talk about, right? Ezra Bridger's lightsaber being destroyed? No? Okay. I actually think it's kind of cool. I actually kind of like Ezra's lightsaber. I know some people didn't when it came out. It shoots, and that's not what a lightsaber does, and Jedi aren't supposed to have that clumsy of a blaster of a weapon. I get it. Good arguments. I can get behind you on that, but I just kind of liked it. Sometimes I just kind of like things in Star Wars because I think they're cool. All right. A broadsword saber, Ren's lightsaber, whatever you want to call it. I like it. It's cool. I like that one shows up here with a green blade in uh, this Rebels finale. Cool moment. I, I like, though, that Ezra's lightsaber is destroyed. I actually think it means something. I actually think it carries weight. It meant something for him to build that lightsaber, and he put his personality into it. Now he's got to do that again. He's got to build a second lightsaber, and he's got a person puts his personality into it. But his personality is probably changed. He's not the precocious little uh, gutter rat stealing fruit and running from the Empire anymore. He's a pretty powerful Jedi in training, as he admits in this episode at the end. He needs more training, but he stood against Vader. As much as I've been critical of Ezra early on. Because, again, I'm an old, crusty fan who doesn't like youth in Star Wars, apparently. As much as I didn't like him season one, and I didn't like Ezra-centric episodes early on, I could see what they're doing with him. And I get it. So maybe I owe you all apologies, Rebels team. Ezra is becoming dark Ezra. Will he become Sith? I don't know. That seems really brave and interesting. I don't know if they'll do it. From a business standpoint, I don't know if you take your kid's show and make the kid who's the lead into a bad guy. just doesn't make sense to me. But Ezra clearly has some power. Clearly, people recognize that. 
clearly Maul recognized that, and I think even Vader recognized that. And I actually liked the the moment of Ezra squaring off against Vader, holding the zone for a couple slashes of the lightsaber. And you got the great Vader line. I loved it when Ezra's like, I'm not afraid of you. And Vader's like, then you will die braver than most. It's a good Vader line. You can put that up there with some of the all-time Vader quotes. Then you will die braver than most. Love that. And then later he says, perhaps I was wrong as Ezra cowers. And that's when Ahsoka shows up. More on that in a second. Ezra. Let's jump to the end of this episode. Ezra, with the Sith holocron, he knows some secrets. There's something about him. The, 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 the powers of the Sith are gravitating to him. It's weird, right? And it's very intentional that one of the last shots of the finale is Ezra holding that holocron and the red from it reflecting into his eyes when he finally opens his eyes. Is that a glimpse into the future with Ezra? A possible future with Ezra? We'll find out. And that is something I'm very much looking forward to in season three. And well played, Filoni and team. Now, the growth of Ezra, something they did promise, is, is happening. Just like Ahsoka Tano became one of my favorite Star Wars characters after she started as a precocious 13-year-old nicknamed Snips. I think maybe Ezra has some legs. More legs than I gave them credit for early on. And I'll have to admit that. Good stuff. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Great stuff. When Ahsoka and Vader finally square off. Kids, that was just cool. Ahsoka grew into being one of my favorite characters simply because of those layers. Today's episode's theme is layers. After she stopped becoming just snips, and after we all kind of started to get over the fact that, well, why in Revenge of the Sith did Anakin not mention Ahsoka at all? Again, you can point to the reality of, in real life, Lucas probably didn't know Ahsoka was coming down the line because the series was going to be after Revenge of the Sith. But if you can get into the Star Wars nerd bubble storyline-wise, why did Ahsoka just vanish from Anakin's brain by the time Revenge of the Sith showed up? And I think they've done a great job explaining why and when Clone Wars ended and, and Ahsoka's turning her back from the Jedi Order, then they wouldn't mention her. There's probably some hurt feelings at the beginning of Sith. And Obi-Wan and Anakin wouldn't want to bring that up. And Anakin was probably a little hurt about it. And Paul Kemp's Lords of the Sith. If you haven't read it, I won't go too much into detail. But you need to read Lords of the Sith. It's just a damn good book. But Kemp knows how to write Vader and he writes him very well. And there is some stuff in there about Ahsoka. And I, I've mentioned it on the show before, but it's, it's fair to bring up again now. Apologize for repeating it. But there is some stuff in there where Ahsoka is brought up. Even the nickname Snips is brought up. And it's done in such an organic, realistic way that you understand that Vader, formerly Anakin, during that transition, memories of his past are, surp- are suppressed It's not there anymore, whether it be the Emperor's hand, the dark side of the force, or just himself trying to separate himself from his past, burying the past so he can continue to grow into the person Darth Vader is supposed to be. Vader Vader is fighting that stuff, and the Emperor is testing him. Lords of the Sith is a giant test from the Emperor to Vader. Vader passes it. It's a great book. But that moment and those moments in the book where Ahsoka is brought up, it helped me explain that gap. She was, she was buried in the subconscious. And there's been some great moments in Rebels when Ahsoka's return. There's a moment, uh, I believe it was earlier this season, right, where they fly by each other. And there's this uh, moment of realization. Master? Apprentice? How this was going to pay off, we were all waiting for it. We're all waiting for it. And we don't have a clear ending. Is Ahsoka Tano dead is the question we all want to answer, right? I've watched it a few times. And I know a lot of you you have out there. I've watched the last 10 minutes of that episode a few times. And I'll say right now, don't want to bury the lead. 27 minutes in, I'm burying the lead. I think Ahsoka Tano is alive. I don't say that confidently. But I think Ahsoka Tano is alive. I don't know how much she'll factor into Season 3. I don't know. Maybe she just won't factor into Season 3. Maybe it's not her story anymore. Maybe she comes back. And I know there's a book coming out. I'm very excited about an Ahsoka Tano book. It's going to explain a lot of what happened after she left the Jedi Order. So I don't know if she's dead. And definitely, definitely going to want your opinions at hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Please chime in. Is Ahsoka Tano dead? The fight itself carried weight. It was great. It was great. I loved the moment with Vader talking about uh, revenge 
And he says, revenge is not the way of the Jedi. And somewhere George Lucas said, right, I'm so glad I changed that poster in the name. Revenge is not the way of the Jedi. So Soka has the great response. Loved it. Kudos, Filoni and team. A great response. She says, it's not about revenge. She says, she will avenge Anakin. That this fight with Vader, because Vader says, Anakin is dead. I killed that kid. I have suppressed everything from that former apprentice. In fact, I barely recognize he was my former apprentice because I so killed who Anakin was. So Soka says, well, then I'm here to avenge him. Paraphrasing, of course. Great angle. Plus, as Vader says, hey, revenge is not the way of the Jedi. She points out, hey, I'm no Jedi. I left that order. What a great callback and tieback to that moment at the end of season five, is it? Or six? Five. Sorry, lost my track. Five of Clone Wars. Some of the best stuff in the Clone Wars series is when Ahsoka walks away from the Jedi Order. And now it pays off. Pays off storytelling-wise. She is no Jedi, so she can absolutely get vengeance and revenge, and avenge Anakin Skywalker by killing the creature that killed him. Which also leads to that great moment uh, in the lightsaber fight there. And it was a good fight for an animated show. Hey, you know, you, you can do cool things uh, with lightsabers and uh, lightsaber fights in animated shows, and this one paid off. Loved the broken helmet moment. Figure worthy. When Vader takes the hit and his helmet is cracked in the eyes of Anakin, it's not old Anakin. It's not Vader with his mask off in Empire. It's not Vader with uh, Hayden's eyes and Sebastian Shaw's head and Return of the Jedi. It is Anakin as we know him from the Clone Wars. It is Anakin as we kind of know him from the prequels. It is, it is great. It, it is the same Anakin I that in Revenge of the Sith, he turned around uh, when he was on Mustafar wiping out the uh, Separatists to end the conflict. He flips around to the camera and his eyes turned yellow out of evil and rage. It's the same eye. They captured so well in an animated form. And I love that moment. Like I said, it's figure worthy. You could right now sell me that figure. Vader, Rebels finale, broken helmet figure. I'm buying it. I'm putting it on a wall. It's one of the great looks for Vader. And the wisp and the sigh and his voice is, as he is damaged. He's took on, uh, taken on damage. It's great. And as she finally sees Anakin, the man behind the mask, the man he once was, she's horrified. She wants to save him. And for a second, Vader is conflicted. And it's a great moment. It's a heavy moment. It's a heavy beat. Vader is conflicted. For a second, he's connected to his past. For a second, the mask is off. Shields are down. His heart and emotions exposed for a brief second. They play with it just long enough. I don't think anyone was under the impression that Vader would suddenly turn and turn back or something by the, by the beginning of New Hope. That wasn't going to happen. But it was a great moment. It was a character moment for Anakin turned Vader. One that kind of pays off in Jedi. You could connect it to that moment. Soka was not the one to turn him. Luke was, which makes obvious, bigger sense. But the connection to Ahsoka was strong. And that moment was my favorite moment of the episode and of the season. So I don't know if Ahsoka's dead. They both seem to walk out of that. But is it what it seems? Why is Ahsoka going back into the temple? It's a good cliffhanger. It's a good cliffhanger. That's how you do it, folks. Final question I have, since it, the show ends on Ezra with a little flash of red in his eyes. He's got a lot of things that he could be angry about. A lot of things about his parents and the Empire, even the Rebellion and his training. But now we have something new to play with. Could Ezra go dark simply because he's motivated by a newfound vengeance? 
He wants to avenge what he believes to be Ahsoka Tano's death, and he wants to avenge it against Vader. That, even maybe more than Maul being the main villain, but that driving force in Ezra, vengeance for Ahsoka, someone he became extremely close with, vengeance, of course, now for Kanan getting hurt, vengeance against Vader. Ezra Bridger versus Darth Vader. Could it happen? Could that be our main event in season three? No. I like Vader versus Maul. That's my vote, since we also probably are not going to have Obi-Wan versus Maul. Ezra versus Maul. Intriguing. Intriguing. I still like Vader versus Maul. But maybe Vader versus Bridger is the overall main event for Star Wars Rebels. And maybe that is what we have begun to build towards. So kudos to the Rebels team. I sometimes am critical of your chopper, the fart bot moments, and your lessons about teamwork. But that's just because I'm an old, crusty Jedi. Sitting in a cantina, drinking my dreams away. You guys did a great job. And that was a wonderful finale. The last 15 minutes are worthy of being put into the Star Wars Hall of Fame. They're great. Let's take some Spotlight Star Wars questions using the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars on the Twit machine. couple questions we want to get to. Eric Berrios asks a question a lot of people have been asking. I don't have the answer, but it's open speculation. He says, when will we get a Rogue One trailer? Force Awakens had one a year before the release. What's the deal? Eric, fair question. Everyone's asking it, and I'm asking it too. Now, to be fair, The Force Awakens clearly a bigger, better property. It is the main story, and everyone knew it was coming, and you wanted to build hype. Not that they needed the hype by any means, but certainly fun that they did. So the teasers, the next teaser, the full trailer, all these things. Um, the Force Awakens was always going to have the bigger marketing machine. But uh, you could counter that Rogue One needs just as big as a marketing machine because less people are aware of it. Believe it or not, if you're listening to this podcast, you are most likely aware of Rogue One. It'd be interesting if you weren't. But I tell you. And I'm sure you guys out there have had the same experience. I have absolutely met people don't know that Rogue One is coming out. I've even met some people that recently weren't aware that Episode 8 was coming out. But we've discussed that before. We're in that nerd bubble. So I don't know, Eric. I don't know, Eric. At Eric Berrios 1, I do not know when we're going to get a Rogue One trailer. But I am greatly anticipating it. It's got to be soon. May the 4th seems like a good time. It's got to gotta come to... I gotta think it comes before San Diego Comic-Con. Maybe a teaser on May the 4th. Full trailer in Comic-Con. July. That seems like a good timeline. I'm going with that, Eric. That's my prediction. May the 4th teaser. Full trailer. San Diego Comic-Con. Our friends over at Imperial Podcasting at Imperial Pod always check in, in and a great question from Patrick Barman and team over at Imperial Podcast. Um, what would you think about the light whip showing up in the new trilogy? Then he says, happy early birthday, Ken. Thank you, Patrick. I turned 40 on April 19th of this year. I am definitely an old, crusty Star Wars fan. He is referencing the light whip, a lightsaber that is also a whip. Together at last. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Would I have a problem with it appearing in the new trilogy? Um, Okay, I'll answer that question directly. But first, what I know about the Light Whip, most prominently in my world, you guys out there may know more and may correct me, uh, Githany, nicknamed Githa. She was in the first Darth Bane uh, book. Whether or not she appears, she did, I don't want to spoil it. I don't know. I haven't finished that series. I'm full disclosure. Uh, she is a former Jedi apprentice turned uh, uh, Sith Lord. Uh, and she, uh, she does have a lightsaber, but she carries also a light whip. And you can find the art of it on the internet. Just type Githany or light whip. Uh, you'll find it. Or lightsaber whip. You'll find it. Um, I like it. I like it as it, it, it's different. I don't think I want it, though, in the new trilogy. 
because as much as I liked it in the book, and again, I do like it, it's one of those things that just, it's expanded universe stuff where it's like, no, a couple more layers after this, you're you're just creating things that I I just don't think belong in the Star Wars universe. I think the light whip does. It it, it makes sense in the Old Republic. Uh, I have no problem with it. Again, um, it's interesting. It's a definitely interesting thing. But I just don't seeing it on screen in a movie, live action movie. Um, I don't know if I can get behind it. I'm going to say no. I don't want to see it in the new trilogy. But if it were to show up in some other form, animated, I could see it. I could accept it. It's cool. Githany was a cool character. So I definitely... Um, Definitely liked the difference of the light whip with her character. It was something cool. But again, on screen, I don't know if it would work as well. It's a weird weapon to me. Um, so I'm going to say no. Not a hard no, but I'm going to say no. So uh, James Chi checks on in and asks uh, at hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, what will Lucasfilm do after these initial six films? continue at a pace of one a year, take a break, or do even more. Uh, I believe we're going to get a one Star Wars film a year for a very long time. Talking about the three anthology films and episodes 7, 8, and 9 is what James Chi at Chi Man 1000 says and is referencing. I think they're going to go and they're going to go. It's a cash cow, man. It's like these superhero movies now. We're going to get one, possibly two Star Wars movies every year. I think that's a good thing. I'm definitely going to watch each and every one of them. I wouldn't mind, though, if they take a break, and we've discussed this, and I've definitely mentioned this on other podcasts and and platforms before, I wouldn't mind if they took a break between the main trilogy plotline. So, in other words, four, five, six, break, you got one, two, three, break, much to our surprise, our pleasant surprise, we get seven, eight, and nine on our way. If we're going to get 10, 11, 12, and I can see that they would... And a lot of that depends on what they do with 8 and 9. They're setting up the new universe. We're sweeping out the old characters, unfortunately, but that's got to happen. It's the way of life. It's the way of the Star Wars story. So I think at one point we will get a 10, 11, 12, but I wouldn't mind it being a break. The one bittersweet thing about Episode 7 coming and now going um, though it lives on forever in our hearts and DVDs and Blu-rays and digital downloads, um, is we will never have that moment again. The anticipation, anticipation excuse me, for each Star Wars film not necessarily will diminish, but will never be as big as it was for Episode 7. Because we, it won't be as special anymore. You get one Star Wars movie a year, I'm looking forward to Rogue One. I'm looking forward to 8 and 9 in the anthology films. Believe me, there is anticipation. Why can I not say that word today? Not editing that out. You're all going to be with my struggles to the, through this. Anticipation. I, uh, I got to tell you, I, I, it, it's like I said, bittersweet. We'll never have that feeling you did seconds before episode seven started as you sat into the theater and your stomach was nervous because you were hoping, please do this right. Please do this right. They did it right. Thankfully, fortunately, thank the maker. But we'll never have that moment again. So, James, I would like a break. Maybe not for the anthology films. Do those as you as you want. But for the main story. After nine ends, what's nine? 2019 coming out? You know, 2021, 22, maybe? 25? Give me episode 10. Wow. Can't believe we're already at uh, 1999. Is it, is it already that year yet? Wow. So that's what I think, James. They're going to keep going. They're going to make a lot of money. They've definitely got a good business plan going. And I trust them. I do trust them. Um, And I better get my Obi-Wan standalone movie. Take no breaks. Make that one, Disney. Make it now. I don't care if that comes out the same year as any other Star Wars movie. Give me my Obi-Wan standalone movie with Ewan McGregor. Has to happen. Um, But I think, uh, I don't know if they'll take that break, James. I don't think they will. Unfortunately, 
Guys, this has been a long one. I had a lot to say today. Thank you for listening and hanging with me on Spotlight Star Wars. You, of course, can follow this podcast feed at Force Center Pod on Twitter. Twitter, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic. Head on over to Podomatic. Check out what they got going. If you're on iTunes, rate and review. Uh, I know it seems like we're begging and pandering sometimes, but it's important to the lifeblood of podcasts that you rate and review us on iTunes. It's just the lay of the land. You guys have been very, very positive, and, and the, ones, uh, the ones of you out there who have, who have taken the time out of your day to subscribe, listen, and then rate and review in a positive fashion, it's great. Hey, if you're negative, you're negative. Uh, we fortunately have not had a lot of those. Um, so do that. And also communicate with me directly on Twitter at Ken Napsuck and at Force Center Pod and hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Enjoy all the shows we got here on the Force Center Podcast feed, Databank Brawl. We got Force Center, the main show. Check that out if you didn't listen to last week's discussion about Destiny versus Free Will in Star Wars. Uh, Jedi Beat with Jennifer Landa and a couple more shows on the way. Star Wars Ranked and Cantina Confessions on the way probably in May. Guys, thanks for hanging with me. I'll uh, go ponder the fate of Ahsoka Tano some more. You guys are great. See you online. And may that force thing kind of, sort of, always remain around you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.